stop, stop. Yeah, yeah. When I say go, you don't stop, stop, stop. stop. You belong in a life, ain't spot. I right from the top, let it pipe down, nah, nah, nah. Everybody to the right, you thought. That's what I thought. You would thought, thought, thought. I cut the Hello. Hey. Hello. Top of the morning to you. And welcome to yet another episode of. Theater Thoughts. Thoughts. I'm Ty Etherton. And my name is Kira Sweeney. And we're two former theater kids now turned forever theater adults. Whether we like it or not. Talking about all things theater, education, and the performing arts. So let's get into some Theater, theater Thoughts. Thought. Why the accent, girl? Well, it's St. Patrick's Day after all. Happy St. Patty's Day. I Thank love you. your green. Thank you. I like your green. Thank you. Just I can't rubbing. pinch you. Sorry. <laughs> well, I could take it off. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Kidding. Um, uh, do you have any St. Patrick's Day plans? Um, yeah, I think we're gonna just go and have a few drinks, hang out, hopefully listen to some live music somewhere. Um, and then every year my family usually does some kind of big Irish meal, cornbread, cat not cornbread, corned beef, cabbage, potatoes, the whole nine yards. I think last year we did bangers and mash, not corned beef. But anyways, my mom usually does some like big traditional Irish thing. Um, and then actually we found uh not we my aunt um beth found my nana's uh like handwritten recipe for irish soda bread work and so i'm gonna try making it because i've always used other recipes but like it's that's literally my great grandma's so i think that's so cool that i i she sent that like a, a few months back and i was like i have to remember this um because my nana's like Im Im literally immigrated from ireland so um that's sweet it's gotta be super cool yeah uh, maybe i'll post it it's like literally written in her handwriting on like the back of a receipt um, that's super so cool. so i'm i'm excited i think it'll be good i love uh uh irish soda bread what is the difference between that is it just the way you make it is it actual soda in it that gives it like a more of like uh some actually do have baking soda but um no it's actually like a buttermilk bread oh okay yeah. that makes sense and then you have uh it usually has like raisins or um what are the gold ones called they have another name but it's like a fancier name for raisin but it's it's usually that and it can range from like sweet to like really sweet i like my irish soda bread like mildly sweet because you already have like some sweetness added in from the raisins that makes sense so um yeah. do you have a favorite Irish meal or uh, an Irish food? Uh, I do really like corned beef and cabbage. It's really salty though. It's super salty. Um, but uh, like a good Irish sausage is also that's what I'm saying. Bangers and mash is top tier for me. Yeah, just because I know I'm gonna get that sweet, sweet Irish sausage. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like, how could you also like not love? like mashed potatoes or literally any potato dish they really said i used to make potatoes like my whole personality trait like i was i literally got asked to my senior prom with potatoes because being irish and loving potatoes i made a personality trait in high school so <laughs> potato girl God. except you know who wasn't enjoying the potatoes the Irish during the potato famine. Yeah, How I know. dare you? Be respect. Put some respect on their name. I'm sorry. We did not go through all of that to not <laughs> to enjoy not them enjoy today. It. I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you. Um, the reason we are talking about St. Patrick's Day, not only because you're currently uh living it, we're living it right now. Yeah. Um, but we're gonna break down some Irish theater because mm -hmm. um Kira and I were having a conversation earlier that 
there are so many important names and plays and uh, uh, events that happened during Irish theater that really influenced theater as a whole. And mm -hmm. that's kind of like a um, starting point for a conversation um, of talking about like the whitewashing, the English colonialization of mm -hmm. theater and how what we know about a lot of theater comes from England, um, comes from these prominent wealthy white um, uh, uh, contributors. And so uh, today is a perfect um, day to kind of start breaking that down. And, and what we aim to do um, throughout the next season is to continue kind of talking on this topic. And and well, I think um, I, I, I call to action for all of our listeners to do is really do some research on um, a culture that you uh, or, or an area of the world that you're a part of um, and really find those details from uh, the, the theater and the performing arts industry um, and history because it's so rich and please share it with us. We'd really mm -hmm. like um, to invite more people to have a dialogue with mm -hmm. us about all of it because it's really important and to say, well, this is really important because this person's Irish and they contributed this to theater. You know, we're creating more of a narrative that it didn't just stem from London, everything we know about theater. Mm -hmm. Or the Greeks or, you know, right. like there's there's a lot of significant people and names from those, you know, like big prominent areas of theater history. But also there's a lot of people from other pockets of the world today. You know, we're focusing on Ireland because it's St. Patrick's Day, um, but it's also a, a really um, important area of theater and what they've done for, you know, the the Irish uh, culture is 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 significant and should be recognized so that's kind of what we're talking about um i actually have like a decent knowledge of this topic um because when i was taking theater history when i was back in college um during that summer i traveled to ireland with my family and my professor was like well if you're gonna be there why not like research that if you know that this Which is, is so smart something that you're you're interested in you're passionate about and like you're literally gonna be there so why why not dive deeper into that and i've always been um you know interested in learning more about my you know irish heritage and uh things along those lines and so marrying the two my love of theater and you know my um interest in my you know irish roots it was really cool for me to 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 dive into that and to really discover oh wait all of these names that i've heard before why don't we associate them with the theater of ireland why are we putting their things other places um and and it's for a very good reason and we'll dive deeper into that but um it, it's really interesting for for sure so a lot of our we're gonna start kind of from the beginning and just give you a very uh surface level kind of history background on um historical events places names uh plays uh art and and whatnot that really helped shape irish theater um uh, in addition to doing your own research, right, realizing how simplistic it is to do research um, on these things are very, uh, it, I think it's very important where I thought, you know, uh, I knew you had a lot of research that you've already done. And so I was like, okay, well, I know I can't get a lot of done. Uh, I literally Googled Irish theater. The Wikipedia page gives me um, 
plenty of things to uh, bounce off of. And then I had a couple other pages pulled up that are really strong um, pieces of information that kind of give you the bare bones. This is what you should recognize from this specific part of the world and their um, influence on theater. So there's also a whole um, crash course theater on Irish theater. Is it Mike Rugnetta? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's got a few of like those like uh, specific countries and their theater. That's cool. Um, and there is one on Irish theater and there's some pretty good information there. It's like yeah. a 15 minute long video. So if you're, you know, after this and you're wanting to know some more, definitely check that out. Super and it's easy. Mike. Mike's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So give us kind of the lowdown from the start. I'm going to let you kind of take over um, this episode and put my two cents and ask some uh, really important questions um, along the way. Um, but I really want to create this uh, dialogue of this is how discussing theater like this should be discussed, mm -hmm. right? And, yeah. and mentoring and modeling um, what this looks like. So break it down. We're headed all the way across the pond. Yes. Um. So Irish theater really begins in the night. 1800s. Um, obviously, a super rich uh, performing arts tradition um, in that country predating that, like in incredibly enriching music, dance. Um, and I'm sure, you know, performance, there's uh, when when I was researching the I man, I've done a lot of papers on Irish culture. And I I'm just not realizing that um, when I was taking a dance course in college, I researched like the history of Irish dance. Um, and there used to be these um, men called um, dance masters and they used to travel around to like local towns and teach the people how to dance. Um, and so, you know, with, with that being a way to like pass on that dance tradition. And then obviously Ireland um, has a, an incredibly, uh, rich literary and like mythological mythological myth, right. mythological yeah um uh tradition as well with like all of the irish lore and um you know characters there's a lot of really cool stuff going on there but like all of that aside um we don't really get irish theater until the Irish theater movement, which started in the early 1900s. Okay. Um, the Abbey Theater is a uh, is a theater that was built in 1904. Okay. And that became a home for a lot of the the Irish literary movement and being really intentional of sustaining Irish writers and actors and directors in the country of Ireland. So it became almost like a hub for people that you think of places like um, uh, go back to Shakespeare time, like the old globe and that part of mm -hmm. London um, where it was really, um, when we talked about um, LGBTQ theater um, last June, we talked about the bar that had like uh, mm -hmm. uh, specifically for gay playwrights. So the this Abbey, is not new no. to history in theater, but that was the hub for Irish Absolutely. and Irish performance. And the Irish literary movement, like I was just mentioning, was really dedicated to staging Irish plays and then developing Irish writers, directors, and performers. They really wanted to, um, you know, they were losing a lot of people um, who were fleeing Ireland to go to London because that's where they thought they needed to go to be successful in theater. And so um, it was people like um, 
William Butler Yeats and Lady Gregory who really were like, why are people leaving Ireland? We have so much rich culture, history, and, and literary tradition predating like the penning of plays. Why, why don't we keep that here? Well, and can we also talk about the fact that you mentioned Lady Gregory, who's an Irish dramatist, a folklorist. She's a theater manager as well. Mm -hmm. And I want to keep in mind that this is a, a, woman. a woman, a girl boss who says, not only do I have stake here, um, but she really put her identity in being Irish and yep. really focusing on um, her, her culture as, as a main stake and, and, I think the lore of that of, mm -hmm. oh my goodness, this is someone who has this, uh, uh, and I'm using this word positively, it's been used very negatively lately, but this nationalism, this nationalist pride um, to say, no, we need to stop fleeing and, and moving to London and just become another London playwright. Mm -hmm. We are Irish and we have something to offer is really unique for her, but but in addition, all of these other people who were And also well. her being a woman in the 1900s. Iconic. Like, crazy, but also so cool. Um, I think it's important, I'm going to backtrack a little bit, to mention some of those. I was talking about how people were fleeing Ireland and going to England because they thought that's what they needed to be successful. Yeah. Obviously, I, I totally get it. You're talking about a country that had people like William Shakespeare and all of these like traveling um, performance groups in, in the country of England alone. Like there was so much now. theater there. Moving to, right? we, uh, how many, so when we graduated from college of a college of about a hundred performers, right? Yeah. Um, I would say probably 60 to 65% of them went to either New York or LA because it is the hub. Yeah. Not to say that Denver is not an incredible, rich, mm -hmm. strong performing arts area. But I think when you're in that mindset of, I really want to become something, you have to be, in, you know, as Hamilton likes to say, in the room where it happens, you yeah. have to go and be a part of that. Yeah. So I totally recognize that. And I'm sure at that time where Ireland, Ireland is not in that area, the hub of the arts, mm -hmm. right? To move to that. I completely understand I, that. Yeah, I, I totally that. get it. But they were losing some big names. Um, we're talking about people like Oscar Wilde, King. who was born in Dublin and then eventually left to go to England because he, you know, wanted to be in the room where it happened. Exactly. Right? Um, and, you know, he was an incredible poet, short story writer, um, and obviously is most well known for his plays. Uh, you've probably heard of a show called The Importance of Being Earnest. Um, he also wrote uh, An Ideal Husband and Lady Windermere's Fan. Uh, he also has a lot of, you know, interesting um, controversy surrounding him and his uh, alleged but probably true yeah, I um, homosexuality yeah. um and you know was put in jail for a period of time um because of the rumors surrounding that but um you know you've you've got him and and he was a great figure in in irish history but his work was not being produced in ireland it was being produced in england um because you kind of have to yeah you know go where you, you know especially when you have that layer of of definitely being a little fruity <laughs> like you gotta go where 
that's not the importance. The important is your art. And yeah. then the other big name pre-Irish literary movement is George Bernard Shaw. Oh. Um, a, another incredibly prominent figure in early Irish theater. Um, also moved, uh, also born in Dublin, also moved to England. Um, but he was a different kind of writer from Wilde. He was more involved in putting up political work. Um, he, he wanted to uh, use his work, you know, to have a, a really interesting level of, you know, um, plot and themes, but also underlying that there was some jabs at how the world was functioning during his time Absolutely. within there. So, you know, he's a prolific writer. He uh, won the Nobel Prize for Literature and is best known for his plays Pygmalion, exactly. which is now um, best known as the musical My Fair Lady, as well as Major Barbara and St. Joan. So pretty, pretty prominent dudes, but weren't producing their work in the country of Ireland. So when we come back from the break, I want to continue moving throughout history, um, talking about now that we're talking about turn of the century, what does it look like when we start getting into that um, more classic or modern time uh, in theater, uh, talking about post-World War II? What are we seeing at that time? Are we seeing a separation from England and Ireland? What themes from Ireland are we getting at? Um, and then where do we move into today? A lot of big stuff. We'll talk about it after the break. What's up? We're back. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Pour yourself another Guinness and get into uh, this podcast. We're talking about Irish theater, such an important, important faction of Western theater and the expansion of uh, strong writing, um, prominent playwrights, uh, and nothing. Uh, uh, this is not better coming from an Irish woman herself, <laughs> um, Kira Sweeney, taking uh, the reins on this one. Um, we just talked about some prominent playwrights um, and that early period. Um, but you want to mention something else before we get into kind of like modern times. Yeah, I mean, I think the Irish literary movement um, is is really, I I knew literally nothing about this before I decided to research it. Um, and after researching it, being like, wow, there were these people who, who felt so strongly about their Irish heritage and the fact that they wanted to use theater and, um, you know, writing to express their stories and their history, I think is incredibly empowering. Um, and the Irish literary uh revival or the irish literary renaissance whatever you want to call it um began in the 19th century and continued on into the 20th century um and it was like i mentioned a direct rebellion against england you know Work. they there's yeah. so much tension there from the you know uh the colonization of ireland and then you know all the history of the um you know, uh, conflict between the two countries, but they really wanted to celebrate Irish history, Irish folklore, Irish language, um, and really tell stories that contributed to the sense of national identity and creating a pride in being Irish. 
um, which I think is is incredibly important. Well, and we're seeing that more, right? We go through period, we've gone through periods and we continue going through periods of like a whitewashing, a deculturization of theater. Um, you know, we've talked plenty of times about like the transatlantic um, accent and, and those stylistic of plays where there's like no background, there's no culture thrown into it. Um, but we see such pride in these cultures that have kind of been silenced and erased. And, and this is not a new movement in 2023. This has been going on forever. And so to see examples of this, I think, um, uh, should motivate people to continue pushing, um, uh, the idea of, um, each culture and, and, and geographical location and, and, uh, community has a spot at the table when it comes to theater. Absolutely. Um, so I mentioned previously in the last segment, the names William Butler Yates and Lady Gregory, um, and William Butler, William Butler Yates, man, that's a, a mouthful, um, was really like passionate about the the idea that the Irish needed a national theater. Yeah. They needed a place to produce Irish work, cultivate Irish um, writers and directors and performers. And so with the help of girl boss Lady Gregory, they made that happen and Miss they founded Gigi. they founded the Abbey Theater, um, which really became a that that hub and that place um in the um, in 1912, they established the Abbey School of Acting um, so that they could uh, teach people um, acting technique and direction, which is pretty amazing. Well, and aren't there, there are certain people, I think of um, uh, someone, uh, Ezra Pound, um, who was an American poet. Um, around this time was traveling um, around um, and seeing culture, you know, culturalistic theater. Um, he specifically focused on like no theater in Japan, um, which is, again, a really culturalized um, specific type of theater. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think what he did was he brought his influence and was able to at this, uh, you know, Irish theater school stylize uh, his interpretation of these different theaters. And that's where you see techniques starting to kind of come out of this school, which is very, very, very cool. Um, and both of them were really uh, intrigued and passionate about the idea of producing Irish work that also treated Irish legends and myths. So they were dealing with like stories of regular people, but also adding on this layer of like folklore and all of these different characters and myths and legends that Irish people all know which I think is really cool. Now, question. Mm -hmm. I think about the language yeah. uh, that these were written in. Are they trying to be this English, uh, uh, you know, uh, London English style um, language? Or are they throwing in a lot of Gaelic? Are they throwing in what do you know? Because uh, I do That's know, a good like, question. The only one I've actually read um, is Riders to the Sea, which I was about to talk about. So Amazing. great segue. Um, but that was, I don't know if it's an English translation or if it was written in English okay. that I'm not sure of, okay. but I do know there is a lot of like Irish vernacular thrown in there Smart. in terms of like, I don't know if I'd call it slang, but maybe terminology or, um, or words that are rooted in, in Irish or Gaelic that, you know, normal people might have a hard time pronouncing, but they're, you know, uniquely Irish topics and words and ideas. At the end of the day, this, these Irish playwrights are not just writing plays and they come from Ireland. They're actually in, in 
developing parts of the culture, cultural, day to day life, language, mm-hmm. food, names, things of that nature into their scripts that make these scripts innately Irish. Absolutely. Right? Cool. Yeah. And Writers to the Sea, I think, is probably the most well known. Um, I don't know why, but it's it's one that I know a lot of people maybe have a basic knowledge of. Um, and it's a great example of of fusing, you know, real life people with this idea of like mythology, which is pretty cool um it was written by a man named jm singh and he was existing around the same time as william butler yates and lady gregory um and he really uh decided that he he found a passion for the people of the air and isles specifically mm. which i had the pleasure of visiting when i went to ireland and i jokingly tell everyone all the time i'm like if i ever like drop off the face of the planet and like go off the grid that's where i'm gonna go live um they're these beautiful islands um that are are so i don't know i just felt like i was taking a step back in time when i was there um uh, i'll have to post some pictures because it's just Absolutely. one of those things and it it's still very topical people are still fascinated by these islands and the people who live there um there was just the uh movie um nominated for an oscar uh the banshee of inishir yeah. inishir is one of the three Aran isles and so um and so you know people are still fascinated by this these places and these people so he took a really um distinct uh you know Uh, look into these people, spend a lot of time on the islands, getting to know people and wrote several plays that take place on the Aran Isles. Um, Riders to the Sea takes place on Inishman, which is the um, biggest of the, uh, no, no, no. Uh, It is, uh, no, is it Inishman or is it Inish? It is, no, Inishmore. Um, But he he spent a lot of time on Inishman. Um, But he heard the man... Uh, he heard a story about a man who washed up on the sea um, mm. from uh, the the isles and it washed up on the shore of Donegal. And that story that he overheard is what inspired this um, short play. And so basically um, it takes place on the island and it's about a family. Um, it's about uh, a mother and her three daughters and uh her two daughters and her son um tragically before the play you find out that she's lost four sons and her husband wild so a family that is incredibly stricken by grief um and so it's it's the mom and uh who was a mother of eight children but now only has three living kids it says here inside of that right so that gives you kind of the the beginning of it and Mm -hmm. then it says um the the son that survived mm-hmm. is planning to sell a horse mm-hmm. um and doesn't stay even though his mother's like stay probably because she's stricken with trauma of losing so many of her family members already yeah. mm-hmm. um and so she predicts that by nightfall she'll have no living sons yep. and her daughters um chide her um for sending off her son with you know maliciously and being like you're gonna go out there and you're gonna die and how dare you and you hate me and whatnot um and so um she goes after him to bless his voyage to kind of take it back um and so uh then they find out that um it it he he goes out um to see 
um, and and her two daughters find um, clothing from a drowned cor corpse that confirms um, it was one of the other mm -hmm. uh, sons, yeah. not the one that went off, right? Yes. Um, so they find the body of Michael who had left previously. Um, and that's kind of where that idea of that story that um, J.M. Singh heard about the man's body washing up on Donegal. That's where that kind of came in. But the mom comes back claiming that she saw his ghost. Okay. And the other kids are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, they they saw that. They, they thought they saw him riding behind his brother as his brother left to, um, you know, to see to go sell this horse or whatever it was. Um, and then yeah, guess I, what? Um, he, that. <laughs> he, uh, falls off the horse into the sea and drowns. So she lost all five of her sons yes. and her husband. And she's left with two of her daughters. Yeah. So then what the heck are like the themes? What, what is the purpose of this play? Um, so it's really interesting because a lot of uh, critics consider this to be one of the finest short plays in the English language. Wow. Um, I, I think it, for a lot of reasons, it's really interesting. Um, you know, not just because it deals with Irish mysticism, but also it has some Greek tragedy themes. Absolutely. And um, it also, you know, highlights the strong Catholic beliefs um, as well as, you know, merging that with with Irish mysticism, um, you know, fairies and banshees and, and hauntings. Um, so you're getting these these two worlds of Ireland that I think are both equally important, you know, religion as well as mysticism. They both can coexist is really what that's, you know, ex exploring. Well, and it also explores like the the tradition versus like modernity. Yeah. Right the the uh you know the protagonist um the mother more moria more maria that's how i'm gonna pronounce her name and yeah. i know that it's so english white moira moira rose that's <laughs> who it is um it really focuses on her uh um her proclamation of tradition um of staying in in her area um versus her sons and the men um that kind of um go off right and that can be said for like the um themes of like traditional and modern worlds in ireland at the time right mm -hmm. she's playing this older irish generation um who's tied to the traditional world mm -hmm. um versus like her younger children represent a younger generation who's willing to change with the outside world and therefore are like more outward looking um, and then you have probably those people, I know, um, the role of Kathleen, the uh, eldest daughter struggles to bridge between, um, both tradition and like modernity, um, mm -hmm. and that balance. And so I'm sure it was a reflection on Ireland at the time that was probably going through, um, this tension between mm -hmm. what traditional values do we hold and we bring into this new world? And then what do we take forward, uh, or what do we not take forward more forward and move along with the rest of the, like surrounding cultures mm -hmm. around us yeah well and it's it's interesting because it's you know examining this idea that um sometimes these like deeply religious characters find themselves at odds with things that are outside of their control for example the idea of like sea and nature and like also these other you know various supernatural forces that yeah. are rooted in you know christian paganism Absolutely. and so uh, not christian paganism celtic paganism yeah. um and so it's for you know it, it's it's just a beautiful 
like I said, mixture of these two really rich Irish traditions, you know, the Catholic faith, as well as their mythological, um, you know, world as well. Which I'm sure is something that like, is still being navigated as like an Irish mm -hmm. person, probably more specifically in Ireland, mm -hmm. but I'm sure throughout the entire world of how do you balance this paganism with like Catholicism? Because mm -hmm. the two in certain ways can ride the same wavelength, mm -hmm. but there are also moments in, in the teachings of both that are kind of opposite. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure that's a really fascinating thing. And when we come back, I think we'll hit, a, a, you know, we'll really ride this um, wave into the modern era and where we're seeing um, Irish themes, Irish culture, and more importantly, Irish representation in modern theater. Mm -hmm. When we come back, we'll talk about it. Okay, that was mid. Um, we're talking about Irish theater. Yeah. And we just kind of talked about uh um, I forgot how cool all this stuff right, is. Writers and <laughs> see. There's a there's a as someone who doesn't know a ton about it, there's something kind of like um uh, not mystical, not in like the mythological sense, but there's something whimsical and and mystical about these things. Um be, and I think that just comes with the Irish cultural like persona mm -hmm. is that there's something kind of magical about Absolutely. Um, what these shows uh, offer um, and how they're presented, I think is more important. Yeah. Um, so we just talked about writers of the sea. Mm -hmm. um, and... It's a really, really short play. I think you could probably find it on the internet. Perfect. I was looking in the, during the break, looking for my like physical script of it, could not find it, but it is super short, really quick read. Um, if you're interested in learning more about it, yeah. it's, it's a great script. Um, so we have some other um, Irish play playwrights yeah. that are coming into the eye um, of the world in post-World War II and then bringing us into the modern century. Yeah. Um, and one of them is uh, a, a really notable playwright who I'm really fascinated by, and that's Samuel Beckett, who's most probably well-known um, for his absurdist plays um, and his most famous absurdist play, Waiting for Godot, mm -hmm. um, which it, it just... <laughs> Uh, if anyone is interested in taking a deeper dive into um, theater and looking at some of like the off ramps of traditional mm -hmm. stage theater, um, Waiting for Godot is a great absurdist theater play to yeah. read. Um, and, and you can't, it, I don't think it's for the, um, don't want to say like faint of heart, <laughs> um, but it, but it, people you, who don't get like, obscure plot structure there's no way you're gonna grasp that no, one it, it is not even as a followed. theater person reading yeah. it i was like what am i reading right but it was um <laughs> so well noted that yeah. beckett won the nobel prize in 1969 mm -hmm. um after his second show endgame 
which is just as absurd as Waiting for Godot well, is. And Waiting for Godot is so fascinating because it's about nothing, but it's also about everything. Exactly. Which is why it's like, a, it's like such a mind fuck that you're like, what? Is right. That? Well, and I but and that's, that's his purpose. Exactly. And there are so many different things in that show that really he he is making a commentary on the class system mm -hmm. he's making the commentary on race mm -hmm. he's making commentary on um mental health mm -hmm. like these are things that at that time you could not i don't think you could explicitly, explicitly say mm. so i think he was all like i'm gonna make this the most nonsensical shit possible and also, if you, the, it's very intentional. The girlies that get it, get it. And the girlies that don't, don't. <laughs> I-Y-K-Y-K. Right. <laughs> That's literally what he wrote. I so get it. Okay. He's he's fantastic. And, and he um, is just like an Irish girly that we love to fangirl over um, for his claim in theater history. I have a couple of other names here. I don't know as much about them, but um, another one listed with Samuel Beckett is Connor McPherson. Mm -hmm. um, and he wrote a play called The Weir. And then there's another man named Brian Friel, who I think he has several other plays, but um, he, oh my gosh, I don't even know if I could pronounce the second word in that one. Dancing at Luhansa. Okay. NASA. Probably yeah. some hard Gaelic Get word to absolutely. pronounce that I've it's beyond my um, knowledge, but lots of these um, people in that, you know, post Irish literary movement, sixties, seventies, eighties, taking us all the way probably until the 1990s with a big name, Martin McDonough. Oh, who let's just real quick was recently nominated. Yeah. Um, you brought it up. Um, earlier, in the last segment, yeah. um, but he was the director um, and writer for the uh, Banshees of Inner Sheeran, um, and is a very, very, very notable yeah. um, playwright. He wrote The Cripple of Inish Man. He also wrote a play called The Pillow Man, which is also really um, notable. And, and, and then up. he's written several plays um he also wrote uh three billboards outside of ebbing missouri which won the oscar for best uh actress that year mm -hmm. um he's received nominations for six academy awards um, really... and he won Amer uh, the academy award for best live action short film um for his film six shooter he he's really interesting because I think he's he's very proud to tell Irish stories, but also doesn't exclusively just do that. No, but a lot of his work does deal with Irish centered stories, but he's also done a lot outside of that, which I think is cool that he's got that duality of like very passionate about producing projects that highlight his culture, but also doesn't put himself in that box exclusively. I think it's again, telling stories with the environment and the preset around his culture. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, he talks about, or his early works, his first six plays, um, are located in Galway. It's two trilogies. Um, and it's just, it's stories. Mm -hmm. that take place in Ireland. Mm -hmm. And so there are, I'm sure there are environmental factors and cultural factors that are brought up in those plays. But again, it's 
stories about human and humanity and relationships that and that place the visibility of that does not just have to happen in london or just not just have to happen in um America eurocentric or, yeah. you know cultures these stories of humanity and life and love exist and relationship everywhere. exist everywhere that's super cool yeah um okay so basically we've gotten the notable playwrights there are i'm sure so, so many, many that others. we're missing yeah and we really want you um to write in to let us know we're gonna you know do a quick uh touch base at the beginning of next episode to kind of bring up anything that we left off mm -hmm. um because i think it's really important to have this dialogue with you our listeners um to definitely tell us what um, we're missing. Yeah, but... we're here to educate you just as much as you are yeah. to educate us. Like, it's a dialogue, and that's what we want it to be. But... Um, I want to end with where we see a lot of Irish themes um, in uh, non-Irish works, right? Maybe Irish characters, um, Irish uh, stories. Um, and so some of the big things, um, we have um, a couple musicals, right? Mm -hmm. um, Finian's Rainbow is a very um, well-known um musical and and that is um i think i've only heard a few songs from it um but i i do know that it there is some connection to like irish irish themes i think it takes place in ireland well, as well what happens is an elderly irishman finian moves to southern united states with his daughter mm. to bury a stolen pot of gold in fort knox so it takes place <laughs> in um interesting in america um but there's also that mysticalness of um irish culture which uh the probably most americanized version of irish culture is, is a leprechaun, leprechaun. right yeah. and so og follows them and tries to recover his um rightful pot of gold um uh before he turns permanently human um and so then then you have it's US... giving very much 13th year it, totally <laughs> right um and then not 13th um, year luck of the irish luck of the irish a disney channel original sorry movie, the 13th best year one. is the mermaid one luck of the irish is the leprechaun one it was both Stand about corrected. like a coming to age yeah both of them were like oh my god surprise you're a mermaid surprise you're a leprechaun anyways sorry getting um, off my no, box. then there's like u.s politicians and and shit that gets involved interesting but i love this quote it says um an irish tinged music store score includes elements of gospel and r&b as well cool yeah so you have finian's rainbow you have once yeah um, which was based off of um the movie, the movie. um and that features um an immigrant from dublin I loved the stage right? show um oh it's fantastic and that all really of the focuses people playing, on music all of the people playing music live oh yeah. my gosh it is it's so so beautiful it really follows the story and also heavily influenced by the irish music tradition as well exactly yeah um uh and oh it takes place in dublin yeah so um, and that did really well, both on film um, and on stage. Yeah. Um, and then you were just talking about it, Riverdance. Yes. I literally, my mom had the Riverdance, uh, like, it. she had it on VHS. And I used to watch it religiously as Made a child. Um, and I, um, I literally, I show it to my kids in my world cultures class. And I'm like, yeah. this is the gold standard for a show that not just highlights Irish culture. The brilliant thing that Riverdance does is it also took in other cultures. There's a 
um, a flamenco number. There's a tap dance number. Oh. There's, uh, I think there's a Russian dance number. There's all these other cool, obviously with Irish dance and, and music being the, you know, primary culture Absolutely. that's highlighted and the tradition that they're focusing on. But you, you get this beautiful mixture of a lot of other things. Um, and I'm going to see the 25th anniversary tour and I'm so excited. I've never seen it live. And I already know that my, I'm going to revert back to my like, five-year-old self dancing in the living room in California. Just like, I'm just going to be beyond. It's going to be so cool. Yeah. But you're going to mix your 25 year old, like <laughs> gay ally, like finger ring. Uh, I'm like, going to be like, yeah. 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 It'll be great. I'm going to be getting um, my life. A silly one for me also about Irish influence uh, is in Legally Blonde. Kyle B. O'Boyle. Right. Honestly, Ireland is such a great song. It's like yeah. campy and a little bit like, uh silly but at the same time it's a power ballad are you kidding me well and as two people that really love to discuss legally blonde for something that is way more deep than people yeah. give it the credit for yeah right that song is taking ireland as a metaphor for just like uh 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 exploration and safety and comfort and all of these things that that character um is looking yeah it, right paulette mm -hmm. is looking for yeah and then um, you have the ridiculous irish dance like section in yeah. the middle of the finale it's just so good it is so good so as a theater thought and as yes. an irish girly what are your final thoughts what do you want people to continue exploring oh, last what do you want honorable mention oh yeah um paradise square Oh, yes. Which um, we were struggling to find more information about because, unfortunately, it kind of had a, a tragic end to its run on Broadway. Yeah. Um, but upon a little bit of research, Paradise Square um, was about a conflict between Irish Americans and Black Americans. So, so fascinating. It sounds amazing. And I can't find the cast recording anywhere. I'm absolutely devastated because... Um, it's, it was really focusing on not just those two musical traditions, but also dance traditions. Like the choreography in the little teaser that I watched looked freaking incredible. Right. Um, but it's such a bummer because they, um, you know, they had a falling out, had a, you know, I, I really, I don't think we really still know what we exactly yeah, happened. Yeah, we're not hundred percent sure. They kind there of were financial quick, stuff. quick to yeah. pull the plug after it got nominated for a Tony. Like, yeah. um, but, but definitely sounds like a really, uh, necessary story. So I'm hoping that maybe that it's revisited down the road because, um, having the ability to tell a story that first focuses maybe on racial tensions clashing, but then it, uh, from the brief plot synopsis, I found, it sounds like through the civil war, they realized that they're, they shouldn't be fighting against each other. They need to be fighting together. Right. And so um, it sounds like it's this really incredibly empowering story that is very necessary to tell. So I don't know. I'm hoping that Paradise Square gets a redemption story. But Okay. I don't know. So I have a final question for you. Yes. As a theater thought and yes. as an Irish girly, yes. what do you want people to take away about Irish theater and what do you want them to continue exploring? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think take away, it's kind of what you were already talking about that like stories are can exist anywhere right and i think it's great to mention that like we should be focusing on stories that are very centered in a culture 
um, and, and, you know, uh, educate people through their storytelling, through their themes, through their characters about that place and their people. But also storytelling doesn't have to be just that. We can have stories about people in places that don't necessarily have to be culturally centered. Right. Um, which is, I think, really cool. Like, I, I think, you know, the purpose of both is is incredibly important and really valid. And I think that, you know, we should keep doing both well, like i would both and embrace both that's that's absolutely like i would love for there to be more you know irish plays and things coming out about you know that that mixture of you know modern irish life with the you know mysticism i i just think that yes. there's so much cool stuff that you could do with that but also you know i still think that you know irish music and dance is is a um, is a uh, art form that has had a lot of success, but like, I would love to, I mean, Paradise Square was obviously a, a caveat for it, but like, there's still so much, I think, untapped potential there within that musical genre, that dance genre that um, I would love to see continue to be explored and, and represented on, you know, you know, local stages or Broadway stages or wherever it is. I just think that there's a lot that, that culture can offer i completely audiences. agree um just because our dialogue is done does not mean that the dialogue is done right now right mm -hmm. um we are so thankful for you listening to today's episode um and want to continue um pushing the idea of doing your own research and providing us with uh uh, commentary on what you find out. Please let us know some tidbits that are des that deserve to be shared with everyone listening. It's really, really important. Mm -hmm. And and you can DM us at our uh, podcast Instagram at Theater Podcast T H E A T R E. The thing, not the place. Um, and make sure that um you let us know your thoughts on the episode and and what else you'd like to contribute. Right. Yeah. Um, and we'll bring you another uh fantastic topic um next week after you enjoy your saint patty's day slancha everybody that means cheers cheers <laughs> <laughs> um hey we're super excited and we'll see you again for uh another um tubular mystical invigorating under the rainbow episode <laughs> of theater, theater thoughts. thoughts goodbye bye Going up, all I wanna was a pop off. Don't trip, trip, we gon' get it chop, chop. Yeah, yeah. When I say go, you don't stop, 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 stop. You belong.